Steve Rubenstein. I'm the executive director of Crayons to Classrooms here in Dayton, Ohio. So what inspired you to create Crayons to Classrooms? Well, uh, I was working for our national organization that um, advocates for our cause on a national basis. Um, It's called the Kids in Need Foundation. And at the time, they were based here in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, They're now in Minneapolis. But at the time, uh, I was in the office here doing some work for them. And um, a couple of local funders reached out and heard about our uh, operation in Cincinnati and wanted to know, you know, hey, it sounds interesting. Maybe we could start something in Dayton. Let's have a conversation. And so you advance that a couple of years. And that's really the impetus of what started Crayons to Classrooms. And when we got to the point of a go decision, you know, we had done our analysis and our business plan. And when the group, kind of the committee that was formed to evaluate um, the Dayton market and sustainability and stuff like that, um, they asked me if I wanted to lead the effort. And so I always wanted to start my own business. And this gave me the opportunity to do that. So that's what happened. Can you tell me about crayons to classrooms? Yeah, uh, it's a teacher free store. So think about a, you know, a small school supply or office supply store. um, And um, only there's no cash register. So we focus um, on distributing our supplies to teachers with the ultimate goal of getting those supplies into the hands of students that need it the most, that are coming to school day in and day out without the basics that they need to learn. And the teachers are the ones that know that issue probably better, as best as anyone, because they see it every day and they interact with the students. So we, many years ago, felt like the teachers were a underserved population. And particularly in those schools and districts where the majority of their students are coming from an economically challenged background. So we focus on teachers. Um, that's our direct customer. So they go through a process and they come in and shop, shop (laughs) uh, for the things that they need for their classroom and their students. And then they take it back to their classroom and distribute it and use it in whatever way that they feel is most important. So uh, my wife is a teacher, uh, Jen, she's been a teacher for uh, almost 20 years and she does pay a lot of -of out-of-pocket costs. Uh, So how important is it to help the teachers not worry about that? Well, you you live that day in and day out. You know, your wife tells you, you know, what's going on in the classroom and you understand the economic challenge because um, where where there is not one of our programs in a community, the teachers are facing the majority of their students. So if 20 out of 25 students are coming to school with this burden, this problem, they're looking to the teacher to solve it. And that's where it starts. And so the teacher then has to dig into their own pocket or their families have helped, you know, oh, well, I know it's getting back to school time again. So I got to help my family members stock up for supplies that they know that they're going to need for the classroom. So that's what we do. And by coming to us to shop, they can 
stretch their dollar. They can use those financial resources in a different way or for something that, you know, in addition to. So if they're getting, you know, pencils and paper and notebooks and some of those basic items, maybe they can do something that they would, you know, rather than spending on that, they can do something else, you know, or save it. Right. So um, typically on average, when a teacher leaves our store, um, they're walking out with around $700 worth of material. Oh, wow. So there's a there's a real value add to that. And a teacher can shop twice a year. So our goal as a program is to cycle through all of our eligible schools and teachers once a semester. And then we rinse and repeat that for this following semester in the spring. So if the teacher takes advantage of the opportunity, they're, you know, walking out on average with about $1,400, dollars worth of material. Um, so, you know, I could go on and on about, you know, how this works. But that when I say the average, some teachers are walking out with a couple thousand dollars worth of material. You know, it just depends on are they a first time teacher coming here? Is this the first time they've actually come here? Or are they a seasoned shopper? So they're only picking up the things that they need. You know what I mean? And that's huge for the kids. Doesn't it help their their confidence level that they oh, don't absolutely. have to worry about that? Absolutely. Their self-esteem. Yeah. You know, if if, if they know that they're going to school and um, they haven't been able to complete their homework for whatever reason, they don't have the resources at home, pencils, something to write. I mean, literally as simple as something to write with, or perhaps they, you know, they've, they've got poor connection, you know, or, mm-hmm. or no internet connection. Um, they're coming to, back to school, facing their teacher with this burden. And particularly if they're younger students, you know, in the early grades, um, you know, they, they feel kind of not very good about themselves. Yeah. And as they progress through the grades, you know, they, they, they face this day in and day out. It gets kind of kind of habit forming, unfortunately. And so they become sensi- desensitized to the issue. By the time they get into middle school, it's just like, well, you know, whatever. And then they, they lose their incentive over time. You know what I mean? So what, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help solve that issue a little bit. How have teachers you've had shape your life? Well, you know, I was thinking about this question. Um, as I was going through school, I, 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 to be honest, I can't say that there was a teacher in particular that sparked an interest or whatever. I mean, when I got into college, I developed a very close relationship with my advisor in my major field of study. But Earlier in the grades, you know, um, I liked my teachers and I enjoyed, you know, going to school, that that whole process. But I can't say there was really one. But what I will say, having done this work now for almost 20 years, 14 or 15 of which was here at Crayons, um, I have become very appreciative of our teacher community, not only in Dayton, but across the country that faces problem and and then the students that are dealing with it um that's what i appreciate most 
And and when we went into the pandemic and you were tarting, starting to hear about the stress that teachers were yeah. going through, you know, closing or working remote or doing all these things, I, I just had a, <clears throat> a newfound appreciation for the profession. So you have, uh, while I was researching you, you have a, a wealth of experience in retail management. Right. Is there any so similarities or differences between you know, retail and running a nonprofit? Yeah, well, retail was my first career. So I've been doing what I've been doing, you know, this mission work for about 20 years. Before that, I had 20 years uh, in retail and I and I grew up in a family business. So the similarities are such that um, it's a store. Yeah. We have all of the things that you, a retail store would, would have to go through the challenges of dealing with product and inventory and whatever, um, except there's no exchange of money at the end. So there's no cash register. So that's the primary difference, but everything else is the same. Um, the major difference is, you know, in, in the for-profit world, if you run out of something, you place an order for it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're replenishing that. Well, in a nonprofit, you know, you you typically don't have that um, that luxury. So, if we run out of crayons or pencils or whatever the product is, we have to figure out a solution to replenish it, or we find something different. So, the similarities are very much the same, and that's really kind of what resonated with me when I saw this for the first time when I walked into a store and saw this in Cincinnati. Um, I thought, wow, this is this is awesome because it 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 allows me to focus on all of those core competencies that I developed and you know in my original career. And now I can utilize that in a mission work that was really interesting to me. So where do you want to see the organization in the next three to five years? Um, okay, well, in our area, we serve about 125 schools currently that meet that base threshold. And, and I haven't explained this, but we serve schools where a minimum of the student population, a minimum of the enrollment is 60% needing a free or reduced price lunch. So we serve about 122 schools in five counties. Uh, and we are reaching the upper end of satisfying that need. So now after 14 years of doing this, you know, we have, you know, done a pretty good job of filling out, you know, geographically our area in terms of, of need. Now, this changes every year, as you know, as your wife will tell you, you know, these numbers change. So that's a constant process of managing to that, maybe making some adjustments. But now we're looking at where do we go from here geographically? Um, there's a program like ours in Cincinnati and there's a program like ours to the north in Cleveland. But currently, uh, the Columbus area, north and east of us, is underserved, doesn't have a, a program. So we're kind of looking to expand into that area into the future.